Mikey, Charlie and Les Dowd are the hosts of Don't Worry, We Got You, the show that has you covered. Entertainment, gaming, music, sports, politics, and news in general for the GTA. Subscribe to our podcast at anchor.fm slash mind, way, down. And follow us on Instagram at mind, way, down. I'm Lester of the Team Podcast. I am Mikey Charlie of the Trap Chat Alley Podcast. And together we are the hosts of Don't Worry, We Got You. Show that has you covered. <laughs> like leaves in Leslie's backyard. Oh, that that's just that hurts. Hey, it's fall. So they're not here yet, but they're on the They're coming. Way. I know. I see a few on the ground already. Oh, that's rough. Mikey, you're gonna you're gonna have fun. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a very long day. You know, it's my best workout of the year, so I get really excited about doing it. Sure you do. Yeah, that's, no, that's I, a lie. But yeah, it's okay. Not at all. Not at all. Mikey, you, gotta, you gotta make it sound right. I gotta fun. get prepared for. God. Mikey, what's going on, man? Um, hey, it's fall. It's fall. The election is tomorrow. It is here. It's here. It is happening. It's e time. Election time. E time. I like that. So the fate of the country is in our hands in our hands and i guess you know we took a week vacation to think about it yeah right we had, to, we had to get ready and we had to prep make sure that we were putting forth the proper information because tomorrow canada's hitting the polls it's very important a very important day some people have already hit the polls in the advanced polling congrats to you guys but I, for those the majority who haven't including myself and and, Les, and me and me too uh yeah we have a decision to make i think I'm ready. I think I know who I'm going to vote for. I know I'm voting for. But uh, it's always good to have more facts, you know, to kind of make an informed decision. And so in this episode, we have an election special breakdown for you guys. We'll be getting to, but not first. Of course not. No. All right. So we're we going to get into the sports. Yes. Let's look at the Toronto local sports scene because I think... <laughs> There might be a, a golden age. Is it a pinnacle? This might be the best. It might ever. be a golden age for Toronto sports. Right. Obviously, the Toronto Raptors is my, my team. That's my, my team. That's team my team that I claim. Yes. Been rolling since 95. They won the championship. The NBA champions of the world. So they are the best team in the NBA. Yes. On Tuesday, they are going to be starting their regular season to defend the crown. Now, obviously, they're minus a few good players. Key components to the team. But they still have some really good players, um, including two who have been re-upped to the team in Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam. Pascal gets his max contract deal worth $130 million over four yes. seasons. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. A lot of people... Outside of the sphere of the Raptors, are saying, "Oh, he's overrated. Oh, how can he get a max contract?" But they obviously they were not watching the season and what he had contributed to the championship, the world <laughs> championship team. I here so here's what I said. I said, "Okay, he's already earned one year of his contract, right? Of mm-hmm. his upgrade. Yes. Let's say it like that. He like he won the championship, most improved player. That's one of the biggest awards in the NBA. The league's expecting this guy to evolve into an All Star." Yeah, he's earned his keep. Mm-hmm. Now, can he take the mantle and turn it into a, an epic career? Well, we have four years to find out that. Yeah, and I think he can. Just looking at his work ethic alone, 
like you know he's not gonna go backwards that's for sure um, and it's most likely like 95 percent chance that he's gonna be moving upwards at a more than just pedestrian pace so a trajectory of an all-star oh but mike has more vested in this obviously because mikey's got pascal siakam in his basketball pool yes for uh, one dollar <laughs> where he's he is a keeper in, in mikey's basketball pool so him doing well actually benefits him on yes, more than I, one level yes. okay i'm i am personally invested it's a in huge bias thing. it's a huge bias but uh, perhaps a little colored <laughs> But Kyle Lowry also rees up, and he signs one extra year at $31 million. Yes. Is, does that mean that the Raptors didn't get one more prime year out of Kyle Lowry, one more all-star year out of him after this season? Yeah, I think so. And honestly, he deserves it regardless of what happens because he was the engine that really made this happen, especially like the Raptors run since 2014 in the playoffs. They've been the best team in the Eastern Conference since then in terms of actual total wins and playoff appearances and whatnot so he was the main driving force behind that and i mean he proved his worth in the playoffs especially the last game where he went off in the first quarter he finished them he iced them he buoyed the team towards that final victory the five threes in the first quarter um masai jerry said color has a legacy in toronto he does that he will not forget about and I think this deal is is an ode to that, which I think is amazing. Indeed. And I think it's well worth it. Yes. And Lowry around for another year to to ease and put together the next phase. Like the actual transition is now happening after this season. The handing of the torch. Right. Yes. For Lowry to be a part of that and to guide them that next season. And even if he plays beyond, they know that he's not supposed to be a vocal point when he turns, you know, 36, 37. And they're not going to pay him like he is. It's a right. very good deal. And... I have a lot of respect for what they did with it. Did you see the meme on the internet of him being a master splinter? Yes. And then you see the young Ninja Turtles versus like Siakam and all of them. Yeah. And then now he's like the old splinter and the Ninja Turtles have grown up. I think that's a really good analogy for like what's happening there. Uh, Absolutely. So that's great for the Raptors. Yep. Well, and, and their first game they got, they had... The first game of what's supposed to be Zion, which would have been a huge stepping stone. The first game um, to launch the Raptors season. Yeah. That's not happening anymore. Yeah. Zion is out with an injury right now. They're saying it's not a major injury, but they want to be careful because obviously he's like the most prized prospect since LeBron James. LeBron James. The way he said that. <laughs> LeBron, James. LeBron Right. But... Um, He's, I don't know how his career is going to be, especially when it comes to like injuries and stuff like that. Hopefully we get to see him shine, at least to some extent. But I'm afraid that injuries are going to be something that's reoccurring throughout his career. Are you calling Greg Oden? Ish. Wow. Again, I hope not. I mean, I, I, I don't wish ill upon anybody especially like you know athletes and whatnot while, while they're making their living doing what they do and they're entertaining us but He's just from what i'm observing even things that i've read from the physicians who are in the field of sports it's i don't know it's it we'll see what happens we hope for the best but prepare for the worst yeah I, he's too heavy at 280 you can't he's shack size but a guard 
you know, and it doesn't, I don't think that really bodes well for his body in terms of it breaking down. Yeah, and just down. the way, because he's very athletic. Yep. And in this instance, in terms of injuries, it actually works against him with his weight and his athleticism, the way he plays. Well, so we hope he drops some weight, gets on the court, and does some good things. We also hope that we beat the Pelicans on Tuesday. Yes, it'll be a very emotional night. I'm looking forward to it. I plan to be down at Jurassic Park. It's going to be crazy. I heard a rumor that the fans in stadium, at least, will be getting replica rings. That's what I heard. Wow. I want a replica ring. Yeah, I know. Me now, too. Now I'm going to go, I think. Um, Moving on in the Toronto sports scene, though, because the Raptors, obviously, they are the champs, <laughs> but they're not the only sports team in town. And there are other, actually, teams in Toronto that are doing pretty well right now. Of course, the beloved Maple Leafs. Oh, the Leafs. Yeah, they won last night. They beat their arch nemesis. In overtime. Boston in overtime last night. Um, without their captain. Johnny Tavares broke a finger. Yeah, so he's out for, he's on the shelf for a little bit. Yep. Um, they pulled it out. Nylander went to the first line. One of the guys that called up scored his first goal. It looked great. The Leafs haven't been great in the last week, so it's amazing to get this win. And it um, helped shape another epic Toronto night. Yes, which was continued. I, I don't know if it was continued, but it was also, <laughs> yeah, also lifted or maybe even further lifted. I would say further lifted yep. by the, the TFC, the Toronto FC, who are in the playoffs and they managed to beat DC United 5-1. to one. Mind you, 5-1 to one sounds like there was like a slaughter. And in a sense, it was. It was a slaughter. At the same time, this game went into extra time. So, obviously, at the end of regulation, it was 1-1. 1-1. One, one, one. One. And in that 30 minutes of extra time, TFC popped in four goals. They went off. Now, TFC has been one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference during the second half of the season, which is how they made the playoffs. They did not have a good start. But uh, I guess they caught fever when the Raps won the championship and they've turned into one of the most explosive teams in the league. So Yeah, the Raptors have actually motivated quite a few of these uh, Toronto teams to do better than what they were doing before. Although there is one team that is not doing. But hold on. Before we get to that, I was at Tuesday's game at BMO Field when Canada beat the U.S. for Finally. the first time in 30 Finally. years. Finally. I had a chance to go to this game. It would have been 50 bucks for two seats. A buddy offered me up his tickets, and I couldn't go. And I should have canceled what I was doing and went because that would have been amazing to be at. And having watching those two games in the span of a week, that would have been been amazing. That would have been a story. So there's another team that plays at BMO Field. Yes. That other team. <laughs> Those guys. Well, at least they won the championship a couple of years ago. I was going to say, they're a few like years removed from being champions. Yeah. Also, they're in the playoffs. They're 3-13 and 13 yeah, for I people mean, that don't know. It's an eight-league team. Yeah. So, I mean, we could be talking about them as champions in a couple of weeks. We just not throw yeah. them out yeah. in the corner yet. We are talking about the Toronto Argos, in case you didn't know. Yeah. They're, they're uh, the CFL. Time. They're not. There's eight teams in that league, right? Eight. Yep, I think there's eight. eight well, nine. Ten, nine. nine. There's a nine team, I think. That yeah. Yeah. Something around there. So yeah, hopefully. Hey, we're we're rooting for you. Hopefully they catch fire at the right time as well, and they make yeah. it happen. Yeah, you don't have to be as the Raptors have proved. You don't have to be number one in the conference to win, right? So. They're number three in the conference. It's yeah. pretty close. Yeah. That's hilarious. All right, so. 
where are we going from here? Are we, are we continuing in the sports path or are we, are we just flipping it? Well, I do have to ask you this one question. Yeah. Do you think Toronto can overtake Boston as the mecca city for major sports? It's possible. It's possible. Well, we don't have an NFL team, so that's kind of hard in that respect. Yes. But, hey, the Raptors, I mean, obviously, they've, at this moment, they're in the top of that league. Yes. The Leafs have to actually, literally have to beat Boston. Exactly. To get over Boston. Yeah. If you understand what I'm saying. Yep. But, yeah, they can do it. I think they can do it. Or at least be on that, that same level. At least. Okay. Okay. I'm saying it may take a few more years because Boston wins everything. But they do. They really do. It's why, why do they win it? I don't. I have no idea. And they're such a small little place. It's not like they. I don't know. And who wants to go there? It's like it's Boston. Like, that's so weird. Anyway, okay. This is time. It's time for a final election preview. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna bring up the major topics. We're gonna pick which one of the four parties you think is the strongest in this topic, and which one you think is the worst. And then we're gonna read some quotes from the platform from the Globe and Mail Federal Election Platform Guide, which you guys can get, and we'll tweet out for you guys so you guys can see it. Okay? Um, Sounds good. First category, and the one we always think is super important: carbon pricing. Who do you think is the strongest when it comes? to fighting the carbon pricing or do you believe in carbon pricing that's another thing well i believe in the idea of carbon pricing okay but again who really wants to pay more extra to do things that's fair so it's kind of like a you know it's a good debate okay and as you as we brought up a few weeks ago like where is the money actually going we don't get to see how it's actually impacting the issue. So I had a healthy debate with my brother-in-law about this, very pro-carbon taxing, but he said basically the carbon tax is made to change your ideologies about how you pollute. So because something will cost you more, like for instance, um, you're paying carbon tax on your gas, maybe now you're going to buy an electric vehicle, so it's going to change your ideologies, as opposed to that money going to something that's going to help fight carbon. Um, It's like you make different choices based on the taxing, which I kind of agree with. Yeah, I, I get it. I understand it. But would it be ne- so, but where's the money going? Yeah, yeah. It comes <laughs> back to that. Where's tax, the money going? government money. Yeah, they give you something back, apparently. I don't know. Um, who do you think's the strongest in regards to their carbon ideology? Top of your head. I have the actual answers here from um, the different parties. Mike's just going off of what a voter is thinking or voters that are like him. Well, I mean... I'd have to say the liberals because they are the one that kind of imposed this Mm -hmm. and they obviously imposed it for a reason. They had, you know, sound reasoning for what they did. All the other parties just seem to be either trying to amend it or trying to get rid of it altogether. Perfect. Um, Personal view, conservatives got it right. I don't think we need a carbon tax. There needs to be some kind of thing that's in place that helps us reduce our emissions, but make me pay more money um, isn't the thing that we should be doing about it. Who do you want us to read here? Who, like, whether it's the... the... Liberals or the conservatives, their platform for carbon. Let's hear the conservatives. The conservative platform for carbon. Leader Andrew Scheer opposes the carbon pricing system, vowing that his party would repeal it instead of use tax incentives and levies on large industrial polluters and spending on carbon capture technology. He basically says he's going to abolish it across the country. 
but that's millions of dollars out of their pockets in tax money. So we don't know what they're going to do with that. Um, I don't think he would do that even if he won. That's, that sounds ridiculous. If you mm -hmm. had billions of dollars of extra money, would you just give it away? Yeah, and if he's a minority, the chances of him even being able to do it is... Not. Yeah. Okay. Slim to none. Yep. First of all, where, where are you getting these facts from, may, may I ask? Facts for... The, uh, where, where you're getting the... Uh... Oh, the platform? Yeah, the platform. Yeah, Globe and Mail. Politics uh, article, that's party platforms. So that's what we're going to send out to everyone so they can take a look for themselves and see what everyone's thinking. Perfect. So, um, issue two, pipelines. Pipelines. I know uh, there's a big debate about pipelines in terms of jobs and it's creating jobs out west. But I'm not a fan of pipelines. No? No. I'm not a fan of pipelines. Just because... Just the the the, the environmental yeah. uh, impact that it causes. There's not there's name there are, say there's countless amounts of issues that happen with pipelines, you know, bursting and opening that we don't even hear on a daily basis. Yeah, because we don't. We're not. And we're never going to hear because people completely gonna... affects communities close by those disasters, and it's effectively swept under the rug. That's 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 fair. Um. My take on pipelines is if we don't use pipelines to transfer this oil and gas, because it has to go to places, we're using um, trucks and we're using trains. So La Magnetique, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but in Quebec was a disaster, which was caused by an oil spill from trains that killed hundreds of people. If there was a pipeline going through that area or going through Quebec, that that would never happen because the oil wouldn't be exposed to, to people. See, that's the thing. It, it, that one huge disaster yes. would not happen, but a lot of mini disasters would yes. happen in this place. So it's kind of like displacing it. Exactly. I don't have numbers on this to actually prove it, but like if you if you follow that kind of logic, um, you, you know what? What what is the? I want to hear the NDPs. The NDPs stance on, on this, this one. So the liberals obviously purchased the pipeline and they're going to move ahead with it, and they're negotiating with indigenous cultures who don't want. Um, them to go through their land um so the liberals are pro pipeline obviously they purchased it yeah okay um the ndp wants to cancel the trans mountain expansion and federal subsidies for fossil fuels shift toward fully electric power transit if canadians incentives to switch to zero emission vehicles so as much as that sounds nice yep i don't think they have the the gauntlet nope you know, the magic gauntlet where they could just snap their fingers. The problem is, is that how are you going to transport all this oil if you're going to cancel the expansion? Forget the end. I'm thinking they're probably looking at other uh, fuel or energy sources, like more green, renewable type of energy sources. But as I said, like you can't just snap your fingers, snap your fingers overnight and that just happens. It's a gradual process that will take decades in my in my opinion I'm not, I'm, again i'm not an ex expert but from what i've <laughs> what I've read reading, and what i've heard it take a very long time this yeah. doesn't happen overnight absolutely and i mean my thing is that it would be great to use electric vehicles to transport your oil but you're still putting the people at risk by transferring it through their neighborhoods and where they live i have a trainer right behind my house right here and you know if there was billions of gallons of oil coming through by train here and something were to happen, I'd be put in immediate danger. Um, so 
I mean, and I guess someone's at danger because the pipelines are yeah, up north. A, someone yeah, else so at danger. So it's one person and another person. Yeah. So it's a matter so of... Maybe it's like based on populated areas. I don't know. Yeah. There, again, there's no... I don't think there's any easy solution or that no. it's going to be inconvenient for somebody. Yeah. Just a matter of who gets into power and what they're going to do about it. It's very fair. Next major topic is taxes. Taxes. Always a major topic. Ah, yeah. I don't want to pay taxes. It was going to lower my taxes the most. That's the goal here. Um, listen, everyone wants to cut taxes on the middle and low caste, and they all want to raise taxes on the highest income earners, which makes absolute and total sense. So I don't know if there's a plus or a minus here. It's just the different ways that they're going to do it. Yeah, it's just a matter of if they're actually going to do it the way they say they're going to do it. There, there you go. Which... I'm not sure which platform could actually do it the way they said they're going to do it. Yeah. But you know what? Let's listen to the liberals. What, what the okay. liberals have to now, say. Now, the problem this. with the liberals is they already had four years to do what they wanted to do with taxes, right? Uh, so the liberals' broadest tax proposal is to raise the basic personal tax-free amount, currently at $12,000 to 15000 by 2023, so that new revenue would come from luxury items tax, limiting tax breaks for high-income earners, and increasing taxes for large companies. Basically... Large corporations, people that earn over a certain amount a year, get taxed more. And um, everyone will get taxed $0 on more of their income. So before your first $12,000 was tax-free, they're going to raise it to the first 15000 by 2023, which is the time of the next election. Of course. So they win a majority. Of course. So that's what they're planning. We'll see if it happens. As you said, they had four years. If they get four more years or however many more, more years, then we'll see if they can implement this plan for for to relieve for, our taxes. For to relieving taxes. Yes. I actually have the liberals at having the worst tax plan, but the problem with that is that the liberals are in power. So only people that have an understanding of what the tax plan would look like. Everyone else is gonna make broken promises mm-hmm. and you know what they're worth at the end of the day. Yeah. So when they get in it's a different picture and they see, oh well, you know what? I didn't realize it was like this. Right, yeah. <laughs> so. uh, up next, jobs. How do you feel about jobs? Jobs. Well, jobs. People need jobs. Yep. Jobs need to be created. In this brave new world future that we're headed towards, <laughs> the robots are taking over the jobs, and <laughs> the immigrants are taking over the jobs, and everyone's taking over jobs. But I, I saw it. I can't remember where I saw it. I'm going to try to dig it up for everybody at some point. But... Uh, jobs are actually, they're not finite. They're, the way we look at jobs, I think we approach jobs and job creation in the wrong way. It's not necessarily a finite thing. I think people just are attached to certain types of jobs and they don't really grasp the idea or the concept of like retraining or, you know, learning more to advance or even just pivot and change different types of jobs yeah uh, people think that jobs are a right as yeah. opposed to um a privilege right like if you have a, a, a well-paying job in canada like you've earned that it's mm-hmm. not something that you're entitled to and a lot of people believe that they're entitled to have a good paying job well if you don't have the necessary skills then you know you don't qualify right for a good paying job you have to earn it which is where the privilege comes in um jobs are at like there's the most jobs, like Canada's unemployment rates at its lowest. It's been in a very long time mm-hmm. under this liberal government who continues to create jobs. So I'm going to say they're the strongest in this aspect. 
Um, I got to put NDP at the bottom because NDP made a huge promise with no logic to back it up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a tough thing to talk about because, like, what if there's a huge recession? Mm-hmm. Jobs are going away. And that's it. I mean, the government has some control, maybe, but it's very little. Mm-hmm. If the global economy goes, jobs go with it. So you could promise all you want, but there's no concrete way to deliver. Yeah, you can't force companies to hire jobs. Although, again, as I said, there there are ways to create jobs. It's just about the people who are controlling the money, ideally, yeah, well, at the end of the day, if they want to open up their pockets and spend it. Yep. That makes sense. Um, next one? Uh, what's the next one? Pharmacare. Pharma. Um, I don't, I'm not that up on this topic. I don't know that much about the pharmacare, yep. but I mean, obviously, it's an important thing. It's, it's tied to healthcare, so yep. Um, I know it's, there's some platforms that have like, you know, uh, you don't have to pay for drugs or certain types of drugs. Yep. Um, and people, well, I mean, people need to be cured, and and they need their prescriptions. Prescriptions cost a lot of money, so there we go. Whoever um, can help that out. Well, that's, that, that's who wins. So we're moving towards universal healthcare. There's just no every every platform, every party, every they're, they're talking about making it so Canadians don't have to pay for drugs. But if you partner that with the opioid crisis, and obviously that could be a snowballing effect for the worst. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful about what you you do with it. Um, a governing party would have to negotiate how this happens, right? And it's great to say you're going to throw a bunch of money at it. But if you throw $10 billion to making drugs free for everyone, what do you think happens? And then you get drug addicts. Right. You'll have just 10 times more opioids. So because people understand how to use pharmaceutical drugs in a way to harm themselves or to, to get their highs or whatever, this obviously can't be something that you just throw money at. Yeah, so, you can't just throw money uh, without a plan of how to spend that money and set up you know certain restrictions and, and all the necessary things to prevent abuse yeah keep people safe yes. right so that's a, a huge and tough topic that i don't know if this election's gonna solve it doesn't matter what these guys say yeah, and, it's, it's, and this uh reaches far beyond the borders of canada this is like a at least a north american thing if not a worldwide thing yep so um next up is child care yes well, I mean, you gotta you gotta take care of the future, right? The oh. Kids are the children are the future. As people that don't have children, Mike, how much do you actually care about? Well, for me personally, I mean, <laughs> obviously, this one flies right over my over. head. But on a general, more social level, um, childcare is important. I mean, you know, people have to work, but they have to take care of their kids, or have people take care of their kids, but. The majority of the population, you know, their their financial bracket is not one where they can just throw, throw money, money around. It. Exactly. Now, so. Ontario pays the most for childcare. Childcare in Ontario costs around three hundred and fifty dollars a month, or sorry, a week. So that can be twelve to fifteen hundred dollars a month per child. By the way, which makes it expensive yeah, if you have multiple kids. Yes. In Quebec, they pay about three to four hundred dollars monthly for childcare. Wow. So there's obviously. A give that has to happen somewhere here. Discrepancy. Right? Um, So the conservatives have pledged just money to help towards paying for that same child care. The liberals have 
suggested an increase in the subsidy. Um, Democrats legislation that enshrines Canada to commit to high quality public child care in law. So basically signing out Quebec as the model and trying to work off of that, which I think is that's the number one. I give NDP mm-hmm. the win here. Mm-hmm. Let's look at what Quebec's doing. Let's copy that. Let's get it to a point where it's completely affordable for everyone to have child care. Yeah. Why is it such a big difference? It's in, a in big cost? business. Like- in Quebec, I th- I'm pretty sure they subsidize it to a, to a certain point, so it only costs you a certain, and it maxes out at it's three hundred and sixty something dollars a month to have a child in childcare, which is great. But I think their actual amount of healthcare facilities is lower per capita than Ontario, mm-hmm. which has more. But Ontario, it's basically a for profit business, mm-hmm. so basically it's like your kid needs this childcare, so here's so the cost. Jack it up. Like, what yeah. are you gonna do about it, right? Um, crazy. That's yeah. and know. yeah. Ontario is a conservative yep. territory from the so, uh, so, uh, provincial side. Yeah. So it's not going to get better, you say? Um, housing is up next. Affordable yep. housing. Yes. Yeah, so I, especially in places like Toronto, Vancouver, you know, the high market areas, that's definitely an issue. Yep. Is it? Is it something that can be fixed? Like, is there a way for them to make sure that they could put Canadians into more homes or Canadians purchasing more homes? Oh, I mean, I think it's like, I'm going to use a sports analogy. It's like when you're talking about defending Kevin Durant or mm-hmm. LeBron James or any of the marquee offensive players, you can't stop them, but you could try to contain them or limit them. Yeah. You know, so same thing here with the housing market. No, you can't make the housing market in Toronto be, you know, like 300 grand, like average. Yeah. That's not going to happen. No. But you can try to contain it or at least set it up so that more Canadians can inf- afford to move into or around the city rather than having to you know, go out. the other way. So the, the, the big thing is like if you own a house, you want the value to go way up. Yes. Right? You want it to be expensive. You already have one. If you don't have one, getting into the market is becoming more so than impossible because it just gets so expensive to get yourself in. Um, you're never going to win going one way or the other because you have people on each side of the fence that want totally different things and it's for the benefits of themselves. Um, the the one model, because the, the liberals did a lot, right? The liberals introduced um, the stress tests, mm-hmm. right? Um, they let people, first-time home buyers, they have a first-time home buyer's credit. They want to increase on that, so that's their plan. The conservatives have a plan, which I think is going to happen anyways, but they're going to raise the amortization from 25 years to 30 years, which will lower payments, which means everyone can afford the houses that they buy with their mortgages on a better basis. And I think that's a good idea. I think whoever is in power is going to implement that anyways. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're going with it. But I'll say this. There's no win with housing. You're not going to have a deal that all satisfies Canadians. everybody. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to happen. Um Next up is indigenous policy. I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on this. I don't know. You're torn? I'm not torn because I'm like, I don't understand why we have to have a policy. These people are Canadians. They should have everything Canadians have. And if they don't, we should get it to them. So when I see there's a policy or there's... why there, There's a need for a policy, which is that is... Yes, I right? agree. That is... I don't That's know. just not acceptable. No, I, mean, I, I think it's I think it's one of Canada's biggest shames. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, I'm not gonna get too deep into it here, but how can you have someone who's been here, and then you come in and you set up your own thing, and then 
you know, it's, it's like someone coming into your house and taking over your house, living in your house and saying, oh, you have to live in the attic. Yeah. Ba- right. Basically, that's it. So to find that, I mean, and I'm guessing it was worse before and now it's getting better. That's why we have it so high on these lists of, of things that need fixing. But the fact that we have an indigenous community that needs help getting to the standard of regular Canadians is enough for me to be like, what are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. Why are we not doing everything in our power? Um, Jag- How did it even get to this? Is I, my question. I, and it's years of negotiating and problems, letting things get, you know. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I remember uh, reading a few articles about uh, various uh, First Nations and the conditions that they're living in. Some of them are deplorable. Right. Um, and there's a bunch of different policies and stuff here. And I'll be honest, like everyone's been in power. The liberals had the last four years, the Harper government, the 10 years before that, so conservatives. And I don't think they're doing enough. And I'm, I can't break down more, but I'm saying if we still have a problem and it's been 15 years since we know we've acknowledged that this needs helping, then, but the winner in this topic for me personally, uh, Jagmeet Singh, I posted an article on my Facebook, my personal Facebook, um, where someone asked Jagmeet Singh when he was talking about there's a community, I think, in Quebec that doesn't have clean drinking water. And Jagmeet Singh said, we have the resources, we will go there, we will fix it. And the first question reporter asked was, you know, you make all these promises, but where's the money to take care of these things? And what mm-hmm. Jagmeet Singh said, if Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal didn't have clean drinking water, would you ask me this question? Yep. Like there's people yep. that don't have clean water to drink. Yeah. We have the resource. We'll fix it. Why would you yeah, even you have to fix it? consider yeah. Yeah. that there's Where not enough money, money coming from? Exactly. It doesn't matter at that point. Yeah. We have to take care of citizens. Yeah. Right. So um, I don't know if you have anyone else, but I give them the win. I don't want to hear anyone else's platform until they actually start giving action. Yeah. I, I, I give exactly. I'll give the win to whoever takes the action to make it happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, foreign policy. How do you feel about how Trudeau's handled foreign policy? Well, I mean, <laughs> what can I really say, man? I mean, he's gotten into debatable circumstances. <laughs> um, I mean, again, he's he, he's a slick politician on the outside, but behind the scenes, it's kind of hard to really gauge. That's good. Um. But as for anyone else who would be coming into power, that would be interesting to see how they would handle that playing field. It's, it's hard. Of- it's hard to really. I, I don't want to slant anybody's views, but I, it's hard for me to imagine Sheer dealing with <laughs> international really like issues. Yeah, I mean, I mean, conservative governments they they do have they help where they can, but they step back for major issues, right? Um. Justin Trudeau is a rock star. I'm not sure how to say it, but he's he's turned Canada. He people love him around the world, and mm-hmm. when they hear he he does things that aren't like ideal or correct, people freak out, right? Um, but is Canada now the leading arms dealer in Syria? Is that the true statement? There's a country where we are number two in the world now in terms of dealing arms to foreign countries. He struck that deal. Now, is that against foreign aid or is that pro just? moving equipment and it's like a sales role like that's where politics gets dirty sketchy and, and dirty. Grimy. like a lot of countries sell 
weapons and equipment to other countries. That's part of the game. Mm -hmm. But when Trudeau does it, because of who Trudeau is supposed to be or who we think he is. And Canada, well, just Canada in general. Yeah. Like, we're not allowed to be a part of that trade. But it's a trade like any other trade. So I don't think he should be at fault for selling our old guns that we don't use. We don't go to war to someone who's actually going to use them. They're going to get them anyways. It's not like if we didn't sell them the guns, they wouldn't have guns, if that makes sense at all. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's one of those logics that makes sense to just feel grimy about yeah, it. Just, yeah, it doesn't feel the best. So I don't, I'm not sure who the winner would be for foreign aid. I want to lean on, on um, Jagmeet Singh. But that, again, it's kind of, that's one that's kind of hard because we've never seen anybody exactly. else in action exactly. in that arena. Everyone else is new. So we'll move on from that one. Um, immigration is up next. Mm-hmm. Different views on immigration. Yes. So I think this one is worth like really standing on a bit. First of all, what's your views on immigration? While I close this door. Immigration is literally what made this country and the whole of the Americas because without any immigration, there would be no humans here. So immigration is obviously an important thing. Uh, I just feel, it just feels wrong when it, whenever I hear somebody talking about like not accepting immigrants. Obviously you have to screen. Yes, you have to screen. You have to make sure that the people coming in are well-meaning and not, you know, they're not uh, malicious. But closing borders or anything in that direction, that's not the way to go. That's fair. That's very fair. There's, there's, so there's two sides of it. One side is, you know, are we letting in the right amount? Are we letting in too many immigrants? Um, the liberals' target is to let in 350,000 new immigrants by 2021. That angers Canadians, some Canadians, because they think that we should be aiding our own before we aid from other countries. So asylum seekers, people coming for a better life. Um, I understand Canadians' dissent towards, because immigrants sometimes are a heavy levy on the system. You have to support them a lot of times. If they don't speak the language, they can't contribute. And I get that. But on the other side, people are leaving their countries to live a better life. Don't you want a better life for people? Especially when they're in war-torn situations or situations where their lives are actually... At, at risk. Yes. Like, don't you want them to have better lives? So anytime I think that someone thinks that someone should be left in a dangerous situation or a non-logical situation or a situation where their lives can't be like prosperous, like how we live in Canada, mm-hmm. I know they're in the wrong immediately. Yeah. There's never a situation where we should let somebody suffer. And we over here, Canada, is a good country. We help. And I say this all the time. The reason why we don't have crazy terrorist attacks in our country is because we are a helping country, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. We take people from worse countries and we try to make their lives better. Do we always succeed? Maybe not. But we are always there to take in bring people in, let them live their lives, let them do what they need to do because people start businesses and open offices every day from different countries in Canada. That's why we are beloved across the world. 
do you want to give that up, close our borders and open ourselves up to when we are not a loved country? Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's... So So I'm going to touch on a gray area with regards to immigration because I know there's a lot of people that are, they feel the resentment towards people who are coming in, um, you know, seeking refuge, you know, refugees. Mm -hmm. But they have a lot of money and they tend, at least the appearances that they tend to get a lot of subsidy from the government also when they get here. So for my my thing is about that is especially you shouldn't be resentful that they're coming into the country from a war-torn place. Like it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you're coming from a place where you're facing war every day, your life is in danger. Like that money aspect doesn't matter with regards to that. Like we should welcome these people. Now I can I can see the argument if you're saying they have a lot of money plus the Canadian government's giving them even more money when they could be using that money for other Canadians who are struggling. I understand that argument. And in that case, yes, maybe if that is the case, that might need to be reformed a little bit. But in terms of like the humanity of it. Yeah, exactly. Like and it's black and white. That's that's real that matters. And I totally black and white, I totally agree with that. So um Trudeau, very aggressive number of immigration. Andrew Shear says it should be based on fairness, order, and compassion, which he's obviously regarding to Canadian citizens, which as a conservative government probably talks to like allowing less people in. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that at all. And um, it's one of those like blanket non committal statements. Exactly. Right, and I and I feel like when an issue is like this, when you're helping people that are facing crisis, there shouldn't be a limit. If we could allow more, I'd allow more. And if you have to build housing for them, you build it, because I'm still paying my tax money. Just put it towards helping those guys, and I don't know where you're gonna take it from. Um, but that's that's my view on it. Um, did you want to touch on Bill Twenty One? Why not? Let's go through it. Let's go through it quickly. Okay. Um, Bill 21 is the bill in Quebec that was passed, limiting what people could basically wear on their heads, uh, including religious garments when working for government agencies. Um, A lot of people think it's wrong. I'm torn. I'm torn on it. I don't know. I feel like if you're working for a government agency, you have to adhere to government standards. Like, I can't wear baggy pants, but it's a religious symbol. If it's definitely religious, then they should be allowed to do it. But if it's by choice or by anything else, they should respect that they have to take it off and they can put it back on once they leave work. Um, the fact that the government's forcing people to remove garments or, or lose is probably not correct. But I kind of understand where they're coming from, but there's probably a healthy medium that's not what they've passed in this Yeah, building. and I think it also depends on what line of work uh, these people are doing. If it's like a danger to themselves or to other people, or even if it's a situation where it can cause like a reasonable, like it can be reasonably proved that can cause like some sort of issue, which I think people like to say a lot more often than it actually is. But um, overall, yeah, it's, that's a very because that that gets gray real quickly. You know, there's a black side and a white side, but that whole topic gets gray real quickly, and then people will say, "Oh, well, this person shouldn't wear this because of this." Yeah. So, 
it's something that definitely has to be fleshed out much further than what it is now. Um, again, uh, my stance overall is that if it's a religious thing, then yeah, like that's their religion. That's what they believe in. But then there's arguments that maybe the person, the, these people, some people don't actually practice that religion, but they're just going in saying that they're... Oh, so they can wear... Yeah. But I mean, then what's the purpose of wearing if it's not based on religion? Just because you want to hide your faith. Like, you know... Well, some people are like that. And I think that's what the fear is. Yeah. You know, the fear is, oh, you know, this person could be a terrorist or whatnot, which that's a sad reality that we're in, that people have that line of thinking. Well, the amount of people in Canada are actually terrorists is so low. Very. That every (laughs) single person wearing a, a turban, hijab, turka, like... It's less than one tenth of a one percent that that mm. person is actually a terrorist that's doing harm. Especially when you consider the amount of terrorist crimes that have happened in Canada by those people against people that wear those religious garments because they're not all Sikh or whatever. Exactly, uh, is much higher yeah. than the crimes they've committed. Yeah. So we actually take a look at you know like the like reverse yeah. terrorism. And I will say, I'll say ourselves as everyone else who isn't from those countries or practices those religions because the crimes we're committing against them outnumber the crimes committed against oh, us. Oh, way, way more. Exactly. So we should actually take a look in the mirror if we actually think that these people are a threat to us. We're a threat to them. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. 100%. How sad is that? Very sad. Last one is gun control. Now, I'm not sure that this is an important election topic. And I'll say that because we have troubles in major cities. Outside of major cities, guns are not a problem in Canada. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, this is definitely a issue that will be of more of a civic in terms of like big city type of issue. But again, as you said, the majority of the population does not live in, in big cities. So for those people, this probably is just a moot point. But I know especially the people who have been affected by gun violence, this will be a huge, this might be everything to them. So I think that's why it has to be discussed by the the political parties. Um, as for how much they can really do to, to change what ha- what's happening with the guns, the in on like a civic level i know they're gonna try to implement things hopefully it will work out but uh do you see anything between these parties platforms that look reasonable every party has a a buyback plan for assault rifles and, and handguns which i understand but the people that are gonna give up their assault rifles and handguns they're not the ones that we need to worry about exactly Right. Um, when we talk about gun control, we actually have to talk about um, police presence and how much you actually want to be safe. Like if you want no gun violence, you have to give police the authority to break into homes they believe have guns and to go after people who they're suspicious about. Um, and then that opens up racial it's profiling yeah, and different it's right? dangerous in its own right. And, and that's that's how you actually stop gun crime you let them go into the italian areas and go get the mobsters and go get the people that have the coffee shops in the front and the back you know what's happening in there you let those rates happen you're going to get rid of guns really quickly but if we want our freedom and we want our really do we want to do we want to make sure there's due um judicial system unfortunately you have to deal with 
there's illegal weapons and there's drugs and there's things that are being done in this city's underground that we the police don't have access to unless we actually say we don't want crime. Um, so buybacks are great. A lot of Canadians have guns that are licensed gun owners. They use them for hunting. And um, I saw people that would carry handguns when they go golfing. Not here. I was in Arizona. But they were carrying in case they saw like a snake. Disclaimer. Yeah. But, but if they saw a snake. A snake. Uh -huh. And their rule was to shoot the snake and get rid of it. Because if you just walk by and then it kills someone else because it has venom in it. And wouldn't you feel horrible? You could have gotten rid of that snake and you didn't. So there's practical reasons why people carry guns. And I don't know the ups and downs between like, you know, the safe ones and the non-safe ones. And getting guns off the street is great. But do we want to make that sacrifice? Well, that's a very hard uh, yep. debate there because I can I see points on both sides of that fence. Um, ultimately, yeah, you want a safer society and uh, even less guns. I mean, obviously, the United States, their gun problem is in a whole other stratosphere, but that's not to to take away from what we what we're dealing with here. Um, it is it is an issue here, especially in Toronto and other uh, major Canadian cities. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the solution is for it. But uh, at least they're, I guess, at least they're trying to do something about it. I don't know how much. I think it's more of a, a local, it would have to be more effective change would have to be on a local level. Yeah. Rather than the federal level. There's a promise to do something about it. But, I mean, if you ban guns, the only people that have them are the criminals, right? Because they're going to have them anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's not a good solution. And we're not willing to give government the power to actually take control of the situation and that's that's on us if that makes sense well yes but then that's because only because if you give them the power there's going to be the abuse of that power exactly so it's always a tough situation yep it's a double-edged sword yeah triple-edged it's like a third dimension <laughs> of, it's like okay. a it's like a double double a sword, -edged <laughs> sword. Um, yeah so that's a breakdown of politics make sure you guys get out and you guys are voting vote um we want to hear the fallout. So what you guys think of what happened in the election. Mike, can you now make a prediction one day before this election? Who do you think is going to win? Do not pick a side. Just say what you think. Don't pick a side. But Don't pick a side. Just say what you think. Is it going to happen? Yeah. I think... I don't know if there's going to be a majority. I'll say that. Yep. Um... How can I not pick a side and I don't know, I just know. But like you know, just what do you what do you think's gonna happen? Not what you want to happen, what do you think's gonna happen? I think it's gonna be close between the liberals and the conservatives. But based on what I've been hearing the last week, I think the the liberals are gonna just squeak by. Squeak by. I'm going I think a coalition government's going to be formed. And I think um, the liberals or just Trudeau will keep power, but he'll keep power by partnering up. NDP? Yep. Well, everyone else at that point. We'll just, we'll just tag in. Yeah. But I, I think that the conservatives have distanced themselves enough that even if they do win votes in the House, he will not get to govern. Um, mm -hmm. So, Because remember, outside of this area, a lot of rural Canadians are conservative. Oh, for sure. And uh, I think that the Liberals are going to lose seats to Bloc Quebec and they're going to lose seats to the NDP and the Conservatives aren't going to lose seats. They're going to still have their following. 
Yeah, and that's kind of what I was afraid of in the beginning, like way before anything, is that the uh, vote, this vote splitting, basically. Yeah, exactly. On the, on the right, on the left side, I should say. Yeah, and that vote split will create a new government, but a new government where they're all working together. So mm-hmm. maybe that'll be a good thing for Canada. Perhaps. Hopefully. Right. And there's our crazy election preview. All right. Yeah. But we're not done with the politics, though. No. I mean, we're done with Canadian politics yep. for the most part, but... This is like a combination of the two topics that we've covered previously in this episode because now we're we're talking about the NBA and China. And how did we get to this exactly? Like, wow. Uh, one tweet. One t- was a seven words long or something yep. like that? Yeah. One, one tweet. Be mindful of what you do on social media because at any time... It could come back and get you. In case you... And, and it could be an innocent thing that you said, too. Hey, but go ahead. In case you live under a rock, Daryl Morey releases a tweet. Who's Daryl Morey? Daryl Morey is the general manager of the Houston Rockets. So he is a big wig in the NBA. And he puts out a tweet in support of the Hong Kong protests that are currently happening in China. The fallout of this tweet wow. has... China, as a country, pulling out of all their investments (laughs) in the NBA, denouncing the NBA for what they're doing, um, as well as other businesses that are affiliated with the NBA pulling their endorsements because they um, are either in support or in fear of repercussion from the Chinese government. Crazy. While this is happening, there are two NBA teams preparing to play an exhibition game in China. Set stage. Insane. That's crazy. Seven words. Seven. Do you have the actual tweet? I don't want to have. I don't want to say on the air. Don't you don't want to say on the air. I'll pull it up though. <laughs> um, we're just quoting. We're just. We're just quoting. So since then. The Chinese government may or may not have asked for Daryl Morey to be fired from his job. Mm-hmm. And the NBA, uh, they have a, they're standing with their people. They're standing with uh, Morey, in a sense, and the Houston Rockets, and they're saying, that's what he said. That's his, that's what he thinks. But they're not going to, at least for the for the meantime, they're not going to do any repercussions on Daryl Morey. Yep. It was a fairly innocent statement, what he said. It, it was a fairly innocent statement. I can't even find the tweet online. That's how... how from, uh, from my recollection, he said he stands or stand with... Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Fight for freedom. Fight for freedom. Stand with Hong Kong. There we go. That's what that it was. That was the tweet. But I actually can't find the tweet on Twitter. It's, it's oh no, it's it's, it's long deleted, deleted. But I can't even find deleted. a post of that. Oh, I know. Tweet. I noticed. I, I saw that too. Crazy. But it's yeah. That's like, and off of that tweet, a whole firestorm has erupted. So as you said, two NBA teams were actually, in China. In China at that time. So Adam Silver supported Daryl Morey in saying that. Um, free speech is allowed in America and, and he wouldn't discipline or fire Daryl Morey for his tweet. 
which probably drove China insane after. Um, it probably did, but honestly, that was the right move because yeah. if you bend there, oh, you can't. That's bending the knee. Yeah, you but if you bend, bend the knee there, then you're gonna bend the knee the next time and the next you time can't, after. You can't bend the knee. You have to set the precedence now. Did Adam Silver have to say anything at all? Yes, he did. He had to. He, he's <laughs> he the, like he had to. He is the he's, he's the, guy. the he's basically the president of the NBA if yeah. you want to look at it like that. The commissioner, he's like the the number one guy. Adam Silver was he also was also in China. Um so the Los Angeles Lakers and Brooklyn Nets were set to play an exhibition game when this happens. Um the fallout was I don't know if you guys know but in China um the sponsors are actually painted onto the court. So mm-hmm. instead of just pulling off stickers, they had to sand the court down to get the business yeah. names off, and nobody, not one business, would sponsor this NBA and this game after this happened. They didn't even broadcast it. Game in China. not broadcast on media. Um, the players and the NBA not made available after the fact. Oh yeah, they they had the uh, media conferences like the day before because again, that's when the, the original tweet was. And after that, because the media kept asking them about such a hot topic, and they're in China, yep. so they have to be very guarded at what they're saying, very careful, obviously, for security reasons. The NBA decided, no, no more no more media sessions. Yep. Now, if you're a player in the NBA, and you're in China when this happens, what do you do? Where's your head at? Stay in the hotel. <laughs> are, you pl- are you even playing? Well, I mean, you're there to play, and uh, you have to assess the situation. And obviously... Uh, these organizations, they have their own security details and they, you know, they, they're they very professionally run and they do their own security checks. So, I mean, I would trust my team if they said it's safe to play, it would be safe to play. I'm rolling my ankle in the hotel <laughs> and I'm not leaving until it's time to go back to America. Crazy. Soft, man. It's soft. It's soft. <laughs> um, once back on American soil, LeBron James made a statement Mm -hmm. did he have to make a statement i don't think he had to make a statement but i think he was very much heavily handed prodded to that's my personal opinion right but i think there are elements or you know there are people in behind the scenes that kind of said yeah you need to Say say something and lebron james says in a tweet that he felt like Daryl Morey was uneducated on the situation and did not put into perspective the ramifications of his tweet mm-hmm. before he sent it out. Yeah. Different words, but that's basically yeah. what he said. So I don't understand, again, initially, this is before, this is when I first saw that comment. I didn't understand how LeBron James can say that Maury is uneducated on the situation because how can you how can you even know that? How would you be able <laughs> to even say that? He doesn't know that. Right? And again, it's a seven-word tweet that didn't really single out China per se. Nope. It just was talking about standing with the people of Hong Kong. Is I think that's what Maury is basically saying in that tweet. Right. So as you put that tweet out you're not thinking oh china's gonna come and say something about this and i get all yeah like god uh, that must have been the furthest thing from daryl Morey's mind it, it was 
I don't think you should have sent the tweet out though. Here's why. All right, let me let me hear your 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 train of thought. Daryl Morey is a rich man and a smart man, and the NBA is in partnership with China, Chinese mm-hmm. associations, Chinese companies, the Chinese government. Daryl Morey knows this is a conflict. He knows it's something that stemmed from an extradition treaty, which, not not a treaty, but an order, which, you know, and if someone gets sent to the Chinese government, they're probably not coming back. I understand that. And Hong Kong wants to operate as its own country. And they are, they took in serious offense, Hong Kong, to the point where China's withdrawn the extradition request. So they've, they've already given it in. They're like, hey, okay, keep your guy. We just don't want any more of this kind of trouble. So for him to make a tweet that would add fuel to the fire, mind you, nobody in China cares about Daryl Morey's tweet. 99% of, of China won't even see his tweet. They don't know who he is. They, they don't follow Twitter's him Twitter's blocked in China. So, they, so they'll never yeah. see it, okay? So him influencing people in China with connection to China or anything like that, not possible at all. But the fact that he is a partnership, that's like someone, what China's thinking is that's like somebody who is a company in China putting out a support for Hong Kong, which China would then cut them off because that's how China works. So all China is doing is showing how this, this is yeah, how they Yeah, of course, it's a flex of power. Of right, course. but it's how they work. If any company in China did this, they'd react the same way. Yeah, it's just the, they like to flex their, so, their power and they want to influence their way. Exactly. So Daryl Morey made the mistake by making that tweet which put the ramifications on. Because China would do that to any business in China that put out that same tweet. They're not acting out of turn here. Right. But the the thing is that Daryl Morey put this out on his own Twitter. It's not like he put it out on the Houston Rockets Twitter. But his Twitter says GM of the Houston Rockets. Okay, but just I like guess. with anything else, like he has his own opinions. Yeah. He's entitled to his own opinion. Freedom and, of speech. And that's what the NBA... That's not, that is not a thing in China. And that's the right. problem. That and that is that's exactly what the problem yeah, is. Because yeah, he's yeah. not in the wrong. Though, yeah, exactly. But, then, but from he's your, in, from but your he's, argument, he's not in the right. Yeah, because he's in bed with a company that doesn't condone free speech or doesn't condone you being anti-government. And he knew that and still put that tweet out. Like he's not a dumb guy. Is what I'm saying. And when he put that out, he knows made a mistake. You ask him today, he wouldn't have tweeted that. Well, yes, if he could yeah. have gone back in time and yeah. change it. Yeah. No. But my argument is, was he wrong for tweeting it? No. Exactly. No. But I I completely understand your argument because you are right. It, it's one of these things where both sides are right, but both sides are wrong in a sense. Yeah. Right? So No, it's, it's just if he wasn't in his position, no one would have cared. Because he's in bed with them, with mm-hmm. China. He, he made a mistake by making yeah. that tweet. But going back to LeBron's uh, comments, yeah, he further uh, clarified his original statement, saying that he didn't mean the actual tweet in ter- of terms of what he was misinformed. What he was saying, Daryl Morey was misinformed about. He was talking more about the situation of the NBA players, including LeBron James himself, being in yes. China, yeah. and then their security, you know, their, those types of issues which again it's hard to really i'm trying to put myself in daryl morey's shoes when he's tweeting this i think even if he knew what you were saying yeah which obviously he did 
it's hard to imagine that it would have gone that far, I think. Yeah. Oh, so the overreaction was amazing. I couldn't believe that they actually... Now, what LeBron was concerned about really was Daryl Morey put LeBron James' safety and all the players that were there, their safety in danger. They were safety was in jeopardy because of that tweet. And I think when he said, didn't understand the ramifications, I think he didn't... He's saying that Daryl Morey didn't understand that by him putting out a tweet like that, it puts the people that are in China at risk, right? The NBA players. Yeah, the NBA players that are in China yes. at risk. Um, Yao Ming, who president mm-hmm. of the Chinese Basketball Association, has cut ties to the Houston Rockets over this mm-hmm. immediately, which A, is probably instructed to do so, but B, probably feels really strongly about it. Also, did you know that Canada's currently holding the CFO of Huawei, which is the major phone company in China. Yeah, I knew this. In captivity yep. because of an extradition request from the, the United US States, yep. For a UN violation, not a US violation, a UN violation in terms of dealing with a country that they're not supposed to be dealing with. What if China decided to hold those NBA players and say Give us our Right. America CEO send back. us back Canada, the Huawei CFO. Well, I mean, it's yeah. under Kane request. So the U.S. or Canada's holding them yeah, yeah. under that extradition treaty, right. which makes it confusing because when China had an extradition treaty and they request this one from Hong Kong, they got this huge backlash. So now um, the U.S. is asking for someone from Canada and the same backlash is happening. Like Canada hasn't sent the person. Now mm. they're keeping them in whatever. They're not sending them back to China, but they're not sending them over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that could have gotten really ugly, mm-hmm. right? And the next day, the next calendar day, the trade war between the U.S. and China was resolved. Mm-hmm. Any coincidence? No. I'm telling you, like, China, people don't realize how much power China is wielding right now. Um, they're basically going to be the next superpower. They are a superpower. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, the major, like, yeah. the United States' days are numbered yeah. as being the top the country yeah. in terms of like running the show yeah well because china has people yeah Where the numbers US doesn't have people that's yeah so i mean yeah you have to you have to keep that in mind and in terms of the nba uh even beyond the player safety of those few days obviously <laughs> they're taking a huge hit financially no, the ramifications are incredible billions in the billions of dollars now the 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 one American company that can go into China and do business is the biggest company. Okay. So for instance, if they let the Netflixes and Amazons, all those countries go into China, they become the biggest country in the world. No questions asked about it. Mm-hmm. The NBA was the key to breaking that barrier mm-hmm. and they've just messed up. But I think the government of China in some way wanted that to happen. Of course. This is beneficial to them. Of course. This is the easy way for them to cut those ties and not let this happen, right? Because what comes next? After after this happens, then what? Then Amazon gets to sell in there and then Alibaba comes under fire. Like, you know what I mean? What, what's the next step? If this NBA thing was going well, now you're going to bring more American things into China and then slowly China gets Americanized. Mm-hmm. Then they want democracy and it becomes a big thing. Like That's not what they want. Mm-hmm. They wanted this. Yeah. It was, a, it was a power play. It was a well thought out power, power play. They, someone saw that tweet. And they were like, yes, this is our chance. Got them. Do it. Got them. Pull everything. Pull yeah. everything. And I'm sure they sent one email on whatever servers they use in China. And it went to every business that was working with the NBA. And they said, look what these guys did. They don't believe in our government. They don't believe in our ways. Mm-hmm. And that was it. 
Yeah. Everyone pulled. So again, from the NBA standpoint, yeah, it's going to hurt financially, but I think they're taking the right stance on this. You have to stand at some point. Like even if it's going to cost you money, you have to stand for the right things. Unfortunately, after that tweet, there was no other way it could go. And there is no salvage in this relationship. It will not be the same. Definitely not. No. Um, I think that's our show. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to end it on such a yeah, such a sad such note. A that was note. that was a rough rough but bottom. But make sure you go and vote. Yes. So important. Vote. 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 I like that. That was good. Do it again. Uh, nah, no. 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 There's no. Just, there's just, no. Just there's vote. No, there's no just one vote. for it. Fine. Uh, vote. 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 <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Okay. Few housekeeping points. This is the end of our, I guess, trial episodes. This yeah. is like that. That. That test pilot section. this was our preseason it yeah, wasn't just right. the NBA preseason this is our pilot our preseason as well right so we'll be coming back and we'll be redoing how the show's pretty much done so lots of segments lots of fun and good stuff we just had to get to you guys and, and get in your heads you have to get out there and vote and talk about some of the hottest topics in the world shout out to Debbie for holding it down last yes, week we Debs. were busy working on the new format the official debut don't worry, we got you. Um, so for now, we're signing off. And uh, next time you see us, it'll be a whole new show. I'm Mikey Charlie. I'm Les Stout. This is Don't Worry, We Got You. Don't Worry, We Got You can be heard on anchor.fm slash mindwaydown and on Parkdale Radio. Interact and contact us via Instagram and Twitter at mindwaydown.com.